You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris back on the Paracast, we have a great guest this week. And I was thinking, Chris, before we discuss our guest, whether we should set up some kind of virtual green room for guests to hang out, kind of like they do in The Tonight Show, except that it's a physical room. Yeah, sure, why not? Of course, we can't serve drinks or other substances. Well, we could uh, serve pretend drinks, you know, virtual drinks. Okay. I see the germination of a fascinating concept. I guess the question would be is how you would do that within the confines of Skype. I don't know. I don't know what the capabilities are for um, for Skype. I, I just love to change their ringtone. It really is the most dorky sounding doorbell kind of thing. I have other words. Call me. It's like bing, 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 bing. I think anybody who's used Skype knows what we're talking about. And Skype has become a mainstay. It's not just for hackers. It's not just for power users. Everybody who wants to have some kind of direct PC or PC to smartphone or tablet connection, they use Skype. Radio and TV stations use Skype. Radio and TV networks use Skype. I mean, it's nothing unusual to hear, for example, well, we have our correspondent in the Ukraine from a Skype connection. And sometimes it's limited motion video, but sometimes it's pretty good. TV shows are actually using um, Skype connections for some of their main uh, commentators and and, uh, and experts, like um, Bill Burns on Unexplained Alien Files, I think, uh, kind of phones in his, uh, Skypes in his interviews. You have to watch the term phone in, though. Right. As a double-edged sword. You know, on our other radio show, The Tech Night Out Live, we were discussing the pros and cons of ebooks versus physical books. And in this interview, it's with a guy named John Martellaro, who is with a publication called The Mac Observer. Obviously, we know what they cover. And his feeling was that ebooks are best for the kind of books that you regard as disposable. You know, like in the old days, you buy a paperback book, you read it on the subway or on the bus, and then you toss it. So with an ebook, it's a tossable book. But a book you want to preserve, a book like Stalking the Herd, which is over 560 pages of amazing research. You don't want an ebook. You want to buy the full printed book, right? Yeah, I'll tell you. It's kind of hefty. Um, I just got back from the post office after sending my first case of books out to uh, people that have been patiently waiting some for months uh, to get their copies. And I finally did get the book in from the publisher. And I'll tell you, this thing is, uh, it's almost two pounds, which uh, for a book is a lot for a, a paperback. So, you know, I, our good friend, Red Pill Junkie down in <laughs> Mexico, it costs me more to send the book to him than the book is actually worth. It costs $21 to send it to Mexico. <laughs> now, sending it here, you could use what they call media rate. Right, which I did. Which is $3.65, ladies and gentlemen. It can take a week or two for the book to get right. to the customer, but you have to be reasonable about it. You know, if you want to send Chris an extra 30 40 bucks and say, okay, send it overnight, he'll consider it. But not <laughs> for a standard order. Otherwise, he's going to be enriching the post office because the post office has that multi-billion dollar deficit. 
Yeah. And we're not going to pay off that deficit with copies of Stalking the Hurt. But it gets back to the concept of the ebook versus the physical book. The other question we have, and we have some listeners getting on in years, and don't talk about me here, and that is what happens to your digital library if you're gone? Do you have to will it? It's not like a physical book where you just take the book and put it in a carton and take it. What do you do with a digital library? Can someone else, a member of your family or a friend to whom you bequeathed your estate or whatever, can they get access? What if they don't have the username and password? Will Amazon or Apple give it to them? Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. I never really thought about that. The key here is that with an ebook, you're not buying the book. It's like software. You're buying the license to copy that book onto your PC, Mac, smartphone, tablet. You don't physically own a book. I mean, when you buy a book, a physical book from Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, it's your book. Do with it as you wish. Throw it out. Rip it up. Read it. Preserve it. Wrap it in plastic. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right. With an ebook, what do you do if the person who bought that ebook isn't around? Doesn't it carry a value? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I really don't know the answer. Fascinating. And maybe an interesting argument why, if you want to preserve something, you want to be able to refer to it 10 years from now. Get a physical book. The other argument is, well, if the technology changes. And I'll give you an example of that. Back in the 1990s, there was a device called the Rocket eBook. And somehow I think Bill Burns is involved in that. Because for a while he released an eBook, a Rocket eBook version of one of my science fiction novels, Attack of the Rockoids. And don't get me started on that. But the point being here is that if you bought a book with that reader, what's it worth today? And are you locked into this now long discontinued device to continue to read that book? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology has a habit of becoming obsolete and, uh, you know, it's like iTunes, uh, you know, all these people that are buying um, songs, you know, on iTunes. I had a huge library of music on my iTunes, and then my uh, computer crashed, and I lost it all. Now, the way it works now is there are ways to put all that stuff in the cloud if you don't have a backup. Right. And in theory, if you bought a track from iTunes using your Apple ID account, you can download it again. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, you're not locked out. Well, that's really good to know. They should have a record of everything you bought. You should be able to retrieve it. And now Apple has a feature called iCloud, and it's not just Apple. Google has Google Play. So you're not locked into anything, but you have to consider here that you want to deal with a company that's going to be around. We know Apple's going to be around. We know that Google's going to be around. We are sure that Amazon's going to be around. So if you get involved in an ecosystem, you want to make sure these companies are around. So all that expensive stuff you bought, the books, the apps, the music, it's still there. Of course, music, you copy the file anywhere. They don't have what they call digital rights management anymore. With books, they do unless they're in an industry standard format. So it's not so easy with books. They still carry that digital rights management albatross. It's the same thing with movies. You know, movies are not freely copied except to devices that you own that have licensed use of it. 
Mm-hmm. The same is true with ebooks, except for formats that are generic. Did you know that? No. Okay. But with MP3 music files, originally Apple and other companies had DRM. Now they don't. So in theory, of course, you know, you can't freely make copies from other people's collections because of licenses and everything and copyrights, but at least you can copy the files off to something. Anyway, let's forget about the ebook versus the physical book, except the state stalking the herd is available for order. It's shipped. Copies are pouring into Chris's deep basement there. <laughs> In this palatial estate in Arizona, no palatial estate. We've got a great guest, guy, real fun guy, who's going to join us today for his second appearance on the Paracast, Dr. Joseph Farrell. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Joseph is always just a mind blower when it comes to uh, research and information about some of the lesser known topics within the uh, so-called paranormal and kind of exotic technology world, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's always fun having him. And some of his recent books are talking about transhumanism, mm-hmm. which doesn't fall trippingly from the tongue. Transhumanism. Hmm. A lot to talk about. Joseph Farrell joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2Hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together, we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money, and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237. Three seven extension one thirty. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. 
Hi, I'm Dan Pillow, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. For a second visit on the Paracast, we have Dr. Joseph Farrell joining Gene and Chris. Joseph, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Gene. We were having a little bit of fun earlier because when we talked to Joseph just before the show, kind of doing an air check, he had his camera on on his computer. So we could see him sitting there in his office with huge library. And you'll notice I never have my camera on. If the light ever came on on my computer, I would block it with tape. I don't want people to see me. I don't want to destroy the mystery. You know, like radio is the theater of the mind. And with me, it would be this theater of nightmares. You see, with Chris, it's okay, because Chris has an image. He can put on the Indiana Jones hat, and sometimes he's got the beard going. He has an image, a public image. I prefer to stay anonymous behind my voice, for better or worse. You have, you have a voice that's great on radio. That's right. And you look at the mystery of disc jockeys. Over the years, we think of disc jockeys and talk show hosts, and we seldom pictured what they looked like, because that loses the mystery. Except like George Norrie's got this mustache that's 12 miles long. <laughs> I understand they're using it as a roadblock. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, Tope down in Mexico. <laughs> Joseph, before we get on to serious stuff. Sure. Your website, GizaDeathStar.com. Uh-huh. How'd you come up with that name? I was just thinking about it as we got started. Oh, it's actually based on the, the first two books I wrote. Right. When I started doing all this, whatever you want to call it, research, alternative history, I don't know what you call it. But the first three books that I wrote were called the Giza Death Star Trilogy, about the Great Pyramid and so on. 
So that's basically how that website name came up. <laughs> probably, probably should be different, but I'm stuck with it now. So that's right. And we think of all the money that GoDaddy's earning from you. That's right. <laughs> so that's there right. we go. Let's go into a number of the topics that you've explored, but we also have a huge number of questions from our listeners. When we warn them of your impending arrival, <laughs> the question bank opened. And it's an interesting thing to call it question bank, where we have questions, because some of the things you've studied have related to bankers. Right. And their curious and premature deaths. Right. <laughs> okay, now, some people may not think too much about bankers and feel that maybe it's poetic justice, but we don't want anybody to face an early death for anything. So right. what is going on here? With yeah, we've bankers? been seeing lots of these guys jumping off buildings, off bridges. Were they about to be caught by the SEC or something? No, you know, I have actually decided that I was going to do my uh, weekly news and views partially on this topic. I think there's a lot of things in play here. As, as you guys probably know, I believe that after World War II, in the year 1947, to be precise, uh, President Truman created, in effect, what was a hidden system of finance. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about something, folks, that's very, very different from the so-called black budget. I'm talking about something that is so off the books that it's not even subject to the normal black budget uh, compartmentalization. And what he did was he was informed about the Japanese Operation Golden Lily by an envoy of General MacArthur, who just happens to turn out to be Ed Lansdale. Okay, so there's a name for you if you for the JFK assassination research crowd. For those who aren't sure, tell us who he was. <laughs> well, Ed, Ed Lansdale later became one of these Pentagon CIA generals. Um, he was big in the covert operations wing of, of the Pentagon and the CIA. There are many people that believe, including uh, the late Colonel uh, Fletcher Prouty, that believe he was actually in Dallas during the assassination. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But Ed Lansdale was a big uh, World War II and post-World War II covert operations guru, all right? And Lansdale was the one who oversaw the torture of General Yamashita's driver, uh, a Japanese major, I forget what his name was. He was, therefore, in a position, one of the first people in the American intelligence apparatus that was in the position to know about the extent of the Japanese looting of Asia, and particularly of China. And, of course, General Yamashita had hidden a bunch of this Japanese plunder throughout the Philippine Islands. They're still, I mean, they're still looking for some of this stuff and digging it up. That's how vast it was. And Lansdale discovered some of these sites and then flew to Tokyo to debrief General MacArthur. And then General MacArthur told him, well, keep this top secret for now. Uh, fly to Washington, brief for President Truman. So Lansdale goes to Washington and informs President Truman about all of this Axis loot. Now, we have to understand the other side of this story is the German looting of Europe. And it's my belief that 
the Nazis and the American Anglo-American financial apparatus began to set up the Bilderberg meeting precisely in order to coordinate after the post-war period how to move all this Axis loot, how to launder it and use it as a hidden reserve to vastly expand the, the post-war credit supply. Well, Lansdale goes to Truman on the Japanese side of this equation and debriefs Truman. And Truman, in a cabinet meeting, decides in 1947, and this is circa the time that he's setting up the, the national security apparatus, you know, with the National Security Act and so on, of 1947. He decides to take all of this finance and keep it absolutely off the books. It becomes a top-secret mechanism of hidden finance. Now, this is a long way around Harvey's barn. Just to say what I think really happened here is that he set up the intelligence community in the banking business. All right, That's key. Because what it means is you cannot move this vast amount of loot without, at some point, the collusion of prime banks, big banks like Barclays, J.P. Morgan, Citibank, and so on and so forth. Because of that, this also means that you will have an intelligence apparatus penetration of the banking industry. Now, let's update it to today. I think that it's fairly clear now that what really is at stake with the NSA electronic eavesdropping, I think this is something that is less about international terrorism and more the ultimate insider trading mechanism. And the reason why is that so much international clearing is done electronically today that this gives the NSA the ability to monitor massive movements of capital on the international scene and predict with some accuracy what market uh, responses are going to be. That's a handy tool to have when you're dealing with a vast amount of hidden loot and plunder, and especially a lot of gold bullion that was kept off the books. And once we say that, we've got a big problem. I'll tell you what, we'll solve that problem or maybe pose new ones in just a moment. Dr. Joseph Farrell is with us, and we're going to talk about banker deaths, international bankers, conspiracies, Nazis, UFOs, transhumanism, and more, as much as we get time for. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we're painting a picture here with Dr. Joseph Farrell about an international financial conspiracy. Joseph, before we get on with this, let me ask you, we talk about digital currency trading. What about one of these new currency systems like Bitcoin, which has come in from some pretty nasty press lately because of the failure of certain organizations that do trading? What about Bitcoin? And, and well, and, and not only that, but now recently suicides, uh, more suicides of, of people that were involved with Bitcoin. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. 28-year-olds, so yeah. we're talking 60, 70-year-old types. These are young people. Right. 
Well, I'll be honest with you guys and say that I really never investigated Bitcoin. Something in my gut just told me to stay away from the whole thing. Um, I suspect, again, that this is related to the national security structure and the finances, the, the suicides that we've been seeing here. I'm of two minds thus far, guys, as to what I think might be going on. First of all, there's a lot of toxic paper in the form of derivatives that were, you know, credit default swaps and so on and so forth that were created on the basis of a mathematician by the name of Dr. David Lee from China who came up with the formula. It's called a Gaussian copula formula, kind of a statistical formula, allowed banks to rate the credit worthiness of some of these derivatives. That's in effect what he did. And and thus the formula enabled the creation of, of the vast derivatives markets in the late 1990s and, and early 2000s that we saw. So I suspect that when the mortgage bubble collapsed, these derivatives became very toxic. So there's a lot of toxic paper that they're trying to clean up. Essentially, what we're looking at is kind of a mafia-style operation. That's suspicion number one. Suspicion number two is that, and this is where I, I part company with many people out there that are kind of trying to create a scenario or, or an interpretation of this whole thing, in that I don't believe that the central banks and, and bankers themselves are the central principal players anymore. And the reason why, again, is this hidden system of finance that was set up and basically turned over to the American intelligence apparatus. I think what you're looking at, perhaps, could be a case of the intelligence agencies are cleaning up leaks. Most of these suicides, you should note, have been of people involved in the computer end of, of international banking. And they may have discovered or inadvertently stumbled onto some of this intelligence agency penetration of, of banking algorithms and, and trades and so on and so forth. So we could be looking at that. I, I do think this hidden system of finance is under a great deal of pressure. There's been people that have written me <laughs> that said, Dr. Farrell, you're describing a financial system that won't work. Well, ultimately, I know it won't work, folks. I'm just telling you what they did. <laughs> I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make financial sense of it. Well, with derivatives, I could barely explain it. It was a financial scheme used during this bubble. Right. Everything went downhill, went to pot, whatever. At the end of 2008, bringing on this worldwide recession or near depression. I think one of the issues here is that the people who were responsible for all this mumbo-jumbo, this financial chicanery, they weren't brought to justice. We're talking about Right. Tens of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars being taken out of the financial system. And I just wonder here, if we're going to look at conspiracies, and because there's so much to cover, we're not going to spend much more time on this. Was the whole thing a cover-up to hide what was really going on behind the scenes? Oh, yes, I absolutely. I think so. When you're talking about this system of finance, Gene, I, I think what you're talking about is something so huge that inevitably it raises the question, well, what was all of this money used for? And in my opinion, going back to President Truman's decision here, I think there were several factors operating to create this system. It's based basically on, on rehypothecated gold. 
and the creation of a vast amount of leverage in the financial system that is totally off the books, all right? And what's all this for? Well, the first thing is the Cold War context. This became a political slush fund that basically enabled the covert operations apparatus after World War II and on into the early 1960s to, to stage coups and use this money to, to force elections to come out the way they wanted. Uh, the famous case of 1948 and the Italian elections there, that was funded largely with this covert operations money. The second thing is we're dealing with a system of finance that's so huge that covert operations alone cannot possibly account for all the money in the system. So, as you say, it's trillions of dollars and, and trillions of dollars over a long period of time from the end of World War II down till today. So, the second thing I think we're dealing with is we're looking at the funding mechanism for a long-term mega Manhattan project. And the project, in effect, to, to create or research the technologies to emulate the performance of UFOs. In effect, what we're looking at is a vast system of finance that lies behind the suppression of certain technologies publicly and the development of them privately. That's what I think is going on. All right. Now, the question anyone's going to ask here is, all right, we're now taking a leap. We're taking right. a leap from looting the financial system, right, which is very believable, to emulating the technology of UFOs, which leaps in two different ways. One assumes what UFOs are and what they can do, and certainly right. we have covered UFOs very heavily on the Paracast for years. There's a genuine mystery with no solution. So the right. Manhattan Project, I understand it if we can actually get a hold of an actual UFO to emulate, not just looking at it, but having a craft from somewhere that we could look at and reverse engineer. So is that it, that we have a captured UFO that well, we want to reverse engineer? I, I don't think you actually have to re have a craft to, be, to begin the process of reverse engineering. And here's why. If you, let's assume for a moment that you don't have such craft in your possession. And I'm not saying that we do or we don't. I'm just saying that the mere reportage of UFOs and some of their capabilities, particularly those sightings that concern themselves with our nuclear and thermonuclear tests, with our, our nuclear weapons facilities and, and launch capabilities and so on. There's There's been literally hundreds of, of UFO uh, sightings and reports where they have interfered with, and in fact, I in in covert wars and breakaway civilizations, I talked about a number of these reports where they will go to ICBM bases, both in the United States and the Soviet Union, and either begin launch sequences, as happened in the Soviet Union, or they will shut down the ICBMs in the United States and reprogram the targeting information in, in ICBMs remotely. In other words, there's no physical connection established between the UFO and, and the missiles themselves, and yet somehow they're able to do this. Well, if you're in the national security establishment, you're looking at all of the performance capabilities, including some of these things, and you've got to begin to wonder, all right, why the concern with nuclear weapons, and, and why are they showing 
action that could be potentially hostile. This alone, I think, Gene, will start you on the process of trying to emulate the capabilities. Let me just break in here because we have to do our commercial interruption. As our listeners know, on several occasions, we've also featured Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and he also covers this ground. He's done incredible, amazing research about this. Oh, absolutely. Let me me echo that endorsement. (laughs) Robert Hastings has also been one of our better guests. And these are some of the most compelling and maybe frightening sightings because you wonder if they could take control of nuclear installations, what are they doing next? I know what we're doing next. We're talking to Dr. Joseph Farrell about a variety of subjects with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. just an alternative to the mainstream media we're the premier independent talk radio network we are gcn is there a secret ufo agenda do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth is there evidence for mind control time travel or devious government conspiracies find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Floridian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Hey everyone, have you heard about the no-no hair removal device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional quality results, here's our favorite host Cheryl for no-no hair removal. Thanks. Hey gals, I love talking about my no-no. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-no has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors. So it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the no-no, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card. And you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible no-no hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-6062. That's 800-953-6062. 800-953-6062. One in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. 
At only $29.95, fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's D-R-O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. I'm the Paracast with Gene and Chris. We start with bankers, banker suicides, a secret Manhattan project, perhaps to recreate a UFO or a flying saucer. Now, Joseph Farrell, this project would be irrespective of what they really are. It's simply looking at what they do and trying to do the same thing? In, in a certain sense, yes. And, and you mentioned earlier, this, this requires several assumptions about the UFO. And I definitely think that, that the evidence is there that, that the national security establishment would have considered some UFO phenomena to be actual nuts and bolts technology being used by whomever, all right? And certainly, I, I present evidence in, in my various books that they would have considered uh, advanced independent human projects, particularly the Nazis, as being responsible for some of it, but certainly not all of it. But I also think, and I, I touched upon this briefly in, in Covert Wars and Clash of Civilizations, that they would also entertain alternative hypotheses about other ufo phenomena that don't appear to be quite so nuts and bolts in nature and that they would have attempted to go back and and study ancient texts and so on and so forth i think this is ultimately where the ancient astronauts idea is coming out of because i think that would have been a hypothesis entertained and pursued by the national security establishment in its quest to understand and to a certain extent reverse engineer the ufo phenomena so i'm certainly not trying to restrict it simply to the idea of nuts and bolts but i do think that all the evidence is there uh if you look at some of the projects they're involved with after world war ii trying to emulate flying saucers trying to create anti-gravity and peculiar statements of people involved in the black projects world uh in the 1990s i'm thinking of ben rich in particular i do think it's very clear that something happened in the national security establishment very early on to 
cause them concern over the UFO issue. It's really a very simple step. Once you understand that this was of concern to them, particularly UFO activity around nuclear sites, then the response on their part is going to be exactly the same as it was during World War II when they were made aware that the Germans you know, could be very close to getting an atomic bomb and are probably working on it. Well, the same situation is going to, going to repeat itself, only this time they realize that in order to create a secret project that is going to be able, eventually, they hope, to produce some sort of technology that achieves some sort of limited parity with, with UFO phenomena, that it's going to be a long-term commitment and it's going to require massive, huge financing. So I think this is the background that, that we have to bear in mind to this, this hidden system of finance and what may be in play with, with all of these suspicious banker debts. All about UFOs. Is there any indication here, and obviously proof has got to be hard or impossible to come by, any mm. indication that after all these years they've made a lick of progress in oh, emulating yeah. what they perceive UFOs <laughs> to be? Oh yeah, I think there. I think there's lots of evidence that that something very fishy is going on. Back in the 1950s, Nick Cook is the first one that I think that pointed this out in in his book, The Hunt for Zero Point. That circa the mid 1950s, talk of of anti gravity research in the open literature virtually disappeared, and it virtually disappeared almost all at once. And for a long time. You heard nothing about it. You heard little indications in the Soviet Union. There was, of course, uh, Dr. Nikolai Kozarev in the Soviet Union, who, as it turns out, you know, he was denounced by Pravda for some of his strange ideas about torsion physics and so on and so forth. And that was their way of ridiculing the man's ideas while they shuffled him into black projects research and after the collapse of the soviet union it turns out this guy was was heavily involved in some very classified research for the soviet union right up until his death as a matter of fact in this country we have the peculiar statements of people like ben rich for for uh, lockheed martin skunk works you know uh, statements to the effect that we now have the technology to take et home and we found an error in the equations, and now we can take E.T. home, and on and on he went toward the end of his life. More interestingly, even more recently, we have the NASA scientist, Dr. Harold Sonny White, who has come out and found that there is a another error in the equations of, of the physicist Miguel Alcibar, the Mexican physicist, who first published the equations for warp drive, believe it or not. Ah, uh, make it so, number one. Make it, make it so, number one. Uh, back in 1994, in, in uh, I think the American Journal of Physics, if I'm not mistaken, but he did publish this paper. Well, the interesting thing about his paper, when you read it, is that what he's talking about would have required the mass energy conversion of the planet Jupiter in order to make it work. But Sonny White came along and said, no, no, no. Um, if you configure the geometry of things a certain way, you don't need near that amount of energy. In other words, what he is saying is that it's within practical human reach. And even more recently than that, 
DARPA has come out, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or as I like to call it, the Diabolically Apocalyptic Research <laughs> Projects Agency, has come out and said they want the United States, they've set a goal for the United States to be warp capable within 100 years. Now, in the Star where, Trek universe, though, that's, in the Star Trek universe. it actually happens in the mid-21st century. Right, right. So, you know, all of this is very peculiar, and I'm one of those, Gene, that, that tends to think that when people start talking publicly about things like this, usually it means in, in the Black Projects world— It's been operational got, for, 20, for 20 years. Yeah, they have some sort of prototypical operational capability. Um, now, I wanted to bring—you raised something there, and I'm going to ask sure. you about this segment of the next. Okay, we start talking about something, and— Maybe there's some guilty knowledge out there of something behind the scenes that confirms it or relates to it. So over the last few years, we have discovered more and more so-called Type M or Goldilocks planets in our (laughs) near space, like, you know, a couple hundred light years, which is not near, but it's near in terms of galactic proportions. And this indicates the possible presence of huge numbers of planets that have intelligent life. Maybe as we know it. And if you assume there are other civilizations, some are not quite as advanced as we are, assuming we are advanced, which may be debatable. Others are more advanced than we are and therefore have the capability of coming here. Why not? Why not visit your galactic neighbors? And we kind of still talk about Earth-based UFOs and other stuff, but is that just part of the normal rush of scientific knowledge? Or is there a purpose behind making us accept life elsewhere? Oh, I definitely, yeah, I I get your drift. I definitely think, Gene, that they are in a mode of controlled release of information to sort of prepare us for all of these ideas. I'll tell you, let me go back for a moment, if I may, to kind of buttress this hidden system of finance idea from yet another perspective. The thing that put me onto this was the bearer bonds scandals that began to break in 2009. And in 2009, we had the story of the Japanese men that were caught at uh, Porta di Chiasso in, in Italy on their way into Switzerland. Right. And the, the Italian Garda di Finanza basically arrested these gentlemen and discovered a false bottom in their briefcase that was full of bearer bonds, all right? To the amount of one hundred and thirty-four and a half billion dollars. Yeah, billion. <laughs> and that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to other bearer bond scandals that happened after that, where the amounts were in the trillions of dollars. You know, if we just had a few of those. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you and I and Chris, we never would have to worry about money again. We wouldn't have to concern ourselves with whether Bitcoin is an alternative. We'd just retire, but I don't think I could retire. Okay, keep going. Well, some of these bearer bonds were in the denomination of $1 billion, the so-called Kennedy bearer bonds. You can go online and find pictures of this thing. And they're self-evidently fake. But the problem is, is they're peculiar fakes. Because on the back of these bonds, which were stamped with the seal of a firm called Money World, and Money World is a huge Asian clearinghouse for securities, all right? And then you had the Vatican way in, through their Asian news service, saying that some of these bonds were so good 
that they were indistinguishable from the real thing. That gets even more frightening, but if we don't do the break now, we'll be (laughs) even more frightened by what's to come. Dr. Joseph Farrell joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the winner specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg With Joseph Farrell, he's got a million things to say about a million and a half subjects. <laughs> and before we go on with the counterfeit bearer bonds, uh-huh. you know, you've said a lot of things in the first quarter of this episode. And the skeptics are going to say, oh, it tells a fountain of stories there. How do we <laughs> prove any of this? And if it's true, why aren't they coming after Joseph Farrell to say, hey, man, shut up? <laughs> I don't know why they're not coming after me to say, hey, shut up. You know, what I what I tell people is that this is all high octane speculation. I hope it's at least reasonable or, or argued speculation. Now, to get back to this hidden system of finance and the bearer bonds scandals for a minute here, I was talking about the Kennedy bearer bonds. Well, on the back of this bearer bond, it's very interesting that you have a picture of the moon you have a picture of the lunar excursion module from, from the Apollo program, and you have a picture of the space shuttle. Now, all this suggests to me 
and it suggested at the time I wrote this in my in my uh, covert wars books that what they did when they set up this hidden system of finance in order to gain the participation the, the secret participation of the prime banks they said hey look all right we know that we are going to need a lot of money and that basically what we're doing here is a form of fraud all right and we thank you for your participation and what we're going to do is we're going to make you stakeholders in whatever it is that we find in outer space so in other words what they did was when they set up this system they collateralized space and whatever might be there they collateralized the resources now the reason i think that's interesting is within a couple of years after i published all of this this argument and speculation all of a sudden we see this spate of stories about mining asteroids going to the moon mining the moon going on to mars mining mars so in other words they're telling you in effect, they're admitting that, yeah, space has been collateralized and all of this effort to privatize space and get out there and, and make use of the resources in space, which, you know, there are just gobs of resources out there in the trillions and incidentally quadrillions of dollars. So, you know, here's the system that's propping up your derivatives that are in the quadrillions of dollars. No one has pointed out that the derivatives are in the quadrillions of dollars. In other words, they exceed the total gross domestic product of the entire planet. Now, you cannot have a system like that continue to function without collapsing unless there's something backing it up. And I think that we're being told, in effect, what that is. It's space. It's just that people aren't connecting the dots between all of this. Yeah, just, just the amount of helium-3 that yeah, they could find exactly. the moon is just worth ungodly amounts of money. Yeah, exactly. Now, these public space programs from private industries like SpaceX, now they're pretty primitive as things go. They could barely launch a satellite into orbit. But is this a cover-up or is this basically making us accept the fact that there's a lot going on behind the scenes with regard to space exploration? And don't be so sad that we sort of gave it up after the moon landings. Right, exactly. I think it's definitely the latter gene, because, again, we're looking at a system that at the end of World War II, when you factor in the Nazi loot, the Japanese loot, this is in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at that time in 1945 dollars, all right? So over time, this money, in my opinion, would buy you a lot of prototypical secret technology we're seeing some of it come out i think 3d printing and so on and so forth i think you know 3d printing's been around for a long time 3d printing is almost the first step for the replicator exactly it's it's the first step in the in the technology tree to the star trek replicator you know that's very interesting here star trek itself we look at how many inventions came out of star trek like the 1960s the star attack mobile phone of the 90s right was a star trek communicator right we look at the tablets in star trek next generation and you pick up your ipad and say hmm exactly okay we look at warp drive we look at even matter transmission the transporter and we're working on that stuff yes we are and and again to get back to your idea are we are we being subjected to a controlled release of information i think so you know gene roddenberry was connected to some of these people so how so 
Well, he had the he had the connections within NASA. He had you know put Commer and people like that that were advisors. I think he had some sort of inside track, or at least maybe had heard things and and decided to incorporate them in his science fiction. But again, you're you're correct. All of these things, one is a coincidence, two makes you raise your eyebrows, but more than two, you know, you're starting to you're starting to push the actuaries in Las Vegas a little bit there. So yeah, I think we're looking at controlled release of information, preparing us for things, you know. And then then the other thing we gotta remember in this connection, Gene, is the Chelyabinsk meteor. You know, that's another thing I find endlessly fascinating. The the Interesting thing about the Chelyabinsk meteor is a month before it happened, then President Dmitry Medvedev of, of Russia came out and said, you know, Russia needs to build an asteroid defense system. <laughs> okay. I wonder why. I wonder why. Exactly. And then, bang, a month later, we get the Chelyabinsk meteor, and it has all the appearance of someone, you know, either the Russians shot it down but, you know, the real question it raises, wasn't that mighty convenient? Um, so did someone have the technology to move a meteor towards Russia, and did the Russians have the technology to shoot it down? On and on we could go. But, yeah, I think we're looking at definitely the controlled release of information. They're getting us ready for something. Um, and And I think Probably these bankster suicides and so on and so forth. They're cleaning house with the toxic paper, but they may also be cleaning house against people that may have discovered something that would endanger this whole national security apparatus, financial system, uh, electronic clearing, and so on and so forth. Okay, so what is to come, Joseph Farrell? (laughs) Is this something that's good for us? Is it something that means that corporations take over and it's all about fascism what's going to happen well i i do think that the collateralization of space means one inevitable thing whenever you have maritime interest and let's look at space in that fashion because essentially what we're looking at is is the ocean of space and and trade and commerce being connected and conducted via that mechanism and medium So when they start talking about mining asteroids and mining the moon, the hidden text that they're talking about is not simply the militarization of space, that's already happened, but they're already, they're they're talking subtly about the weaponization of space. In other words, actually putting weapons up there. Oh, that's all we need. Yeah, that's all we need. Um, Recently, just to give you kind of an idea of, of, the gargantuan scale that they're talking. I blogged on my website recently about a Japanese architectural firm that proposed the idea of putting solar collection panels around the entire equator (laughs) of the moon and collecting energy and beaming it to Earth in the form of microwaves. Now, I don't know about you, but to collect microwave power of that scale would basically toast an area of the earth where you would set up the antennae to do that. How do I know that? Because in in the late 1950s and early 1960s, the U.S. Air Force proposed a similar scheme of putting satellites up in space to collect uh, solar power and beam it to the earth in the form of microwaves. The only problem was, in their study, that the collection antennas would be so concentrated 
that it would crisp an area of about 145 square kilometers where absolutely nothing could live. All right. All right. We're going to have to do the break here, but I just want to comment here. And that is we're already in a sea of microwave radiation. Yes. With Wi-Fi and everything. (laughs) Our brains are being fried. Why do we want to just fry the planet? Dr. (laughs) Joseph Farrell does not want to fry the planet, for that matter. We have your questions, listeners, and a lot more coming. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. It's time to get your green on with the great green sale from Freeze-Dry Guy. Now through St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, cases of delicious freeze-dried vegetables, green beans, and green peas are now on sale at veteran-owned freezedryguy.com. You don't need to be Irish to feel like you have pots of gold with a healthy supply of these delicious, nutritious green vegetables. They're perfect for your emergency preparedness needs or outdoor activities from camping to RV travel. Green beans and green peas. Easy to prepare, easy to enjoy, and now easier than ever to buy. How about some green backs in your wallet or purse just for ordering? Act now and Freeze Dry Guy will give you $25 in survival bucks for every case you purchase by St. Patty's Day. So get your green on now, veggie lovers. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on to freezedryguy.com freezedryguy.com. 
There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Some people suggest that my brain has been fried for many years. Chris's brain has been fried for many years. I won't speak of Dr. Joseph Farrell. Oh, they suggested of me too. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I'm sure to the he club. has uh, some crispiness uh, associated. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, it, you, we're talking about microwave uh, collection of uh, energy from space. Now, I recall hearing, she's uh, probably ten or twelve years ago, Tom Bearden rather, uh, claim that uh, the the electrical grid here in the United States um, has a lot of excess energy that's not actually used. Yes. In other words, when you create electricity and it goes out there, if you don't use it, uh, you still have excess electricity. And what he suggested is that we're microwaving that excess energy grid electricity and energy uh, to aid some sort of uh, operations on the moon that we're actually microwaving a radiation to the moon. Let me just uh, ask something here to kind of freshen that question, Chris. Does that imply, therefore, that not only are we harvesting money and secreting that away, we're also harvesting energy and using some of that excess energy for these strange purposes? Oh, sure. yeah, it's, it's, it's excess. It, it, it has to be used. You can't store it. it, it it'll just, you just ground it out. Yes. So why not go ahead and... and According to Bearden, he thinks that they're actually on the moon, that they, are, they do have operations already ongoing, and that this microwave uh, conversion into microwave energy from our, from our excess energy in the grid is actually helping uh, that process up there. Have you heard anything like that, Joseph? No, I haven't heard anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Again, if, if we're talking about a hidden system of finance of this vast scale, like I indicated earlier, it'll buy you a lot of secret technology. Yeah. It'll also buy you a, lo a lot of ability to suppress the open uh, discussion and development of, of some of these technologies, which ultimately I think are going to come out. I think they are coming out, as, as we discussed in the previous segment. So it wouldn't surprise me that they may have a secret capability to get humans up there and back again before lunch, so to speak. All right. right. But the, the problem with the Japanese plan was to do this on that kind of scale. The first thing that, that popped into my mind, they're not talking about a power plant at all. They're talking about a weapon. All right. Literally less than, I think it was 
four days, three days, somewhere in that time frame, after the Japanese architectural firm had made this little announcement. In other words, we have a serious architectural firm in, in Tokyo drawing up the actual plans <laughs> to do this, all right? So after they they came out with this, the Chinese, and I, I blogged about this, the Chinese within days came out with a plan to turn the moon, in their words, into a, quote, death star, unquote. Now, the question I have to ask is, all right, the Chinese read the Japanese and, and read them correctly, in my opinion. So the real question is, why do we need to turn the whole frickin' moon into a weapon? Uh, is it for threats against Earth? Well, there's nobody down here that, you know, would, <laughs> I think, want to crisp the planet. So it has to be some uh, either real external threat or they want us to think there's a real external threat. Right. Either way, the goal's the same. They want to weaponize space. That's the agenda. And, you know, we go all the way back to Carol Rosen and what she said about uh, Dr. Werner von Braun that this was this was the ultimate game that, that they were after putting weapons in space. Right. So, you know, I go back again to this idea of, of the collateralization of space. If you collateralize it, if you commercialize it, if space is dependent now on international clearing, and, you know, let's look at another fact here. The reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar, just like all reserve currencies previously in history, have been based on naval powers, Venice, Portugal, Spain, France, England, and so on. Well, now the the reserve currency of the world is the dollar. And because so much international clearing is done electronically, this means space becomes the key to international clearing and to the reserve status of the dollar. So that's yet another reason, not just to militarize space, but if you're commercializing it, it's another reason to weaponize space. So all of this is tied together. Yes, but also creates the complication then of other countries also wanting Bingo. to weaponize space. Bingo. And Bingo. suddenly we've got potential conflicts that maybe we don't want. Yes, exactly. I think ultimately, uh, when Medvedev came out with his statement about an asteroid defense system, it's very interesting what he said. He said, firstly, that you know Russia could do this on its own, but it would only be a protection for Russia, and that what was needed was some sort of international system of asteroid defense and monitoring and so on and so forth. So in other words, even Russia is in on this this game of trying to internationalize space, commercialize it, and weaponize it. We're going to see what how they do this. So now, of course, with Vladimir doing all <laughs> sorts of irrational things, you wonder where he's going to take it. Chris, we were peppered. With yeah. questions, salt and We've pepper. Got some real good questions. I, I think Dr. Farrell is really going to enjoy some of these. Sure. Uh, the first one I want to ask you about kind of goes back to that early 50s time period uh, that, that you kind of alluded to when we were talking about Ed Lansdale. And this comes from someone, I guess, that some months back sent you an article written by Major Kehoe for the December 1946 issue of True Magazine, in which he describes UAV technology then coming into use. Now, this was published three years before his first UFO book, The Flying Saucers Are Real. He goes on to say here that Keo would later deny any knowledge of remote control aircraft technology and 
he would discount entirely the suggestion that some UFOs could be man-made, remotely piloted aircraft. Well, he says, given this fact, what do you make of T-Towns and Brown's involvement with NICAP? And what might this imply about NICAP's true purpose? Yeah, let me just frame this here. NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which was the organization that Keogh became director of before he was actually ousted in the late 60s for various reasons, was founded by this anti-gravity guy name of T. Townsend Brown. Now, we have about a minute left with this segment, and we'll continue in the next segment. But with this background, Joseph, can you frame it further? Well, yeah, my my guess, quite frankly, is that Kehoe and, and the whole Nightcap episode were created to, in part, to ridicule publicly Thomas Townsend Brown. Uh, I go into reasons for that in, in Covert Wars and Clash of Civilizations. I think Thomas Townsend Brown had deep connections to this this uh, deep state or uh, covert uh, development of technologies. Uh, I think he had very, very deep connections. And in fact, I document in, in that book, Covert Wars and Clash of Civilizations, the fact that he may have actually at some point worked for Lockheed Skunk Works, been acquainted with Ben Rich and so on and so forth. You can't be in that world and, and not know these people. So, you know, that adds another twist to, to Rich's statement. You know, we found an error in the equations. Now we can take E.T. home. Before we take E.T. home, unless mm-hmm. he's already here, we have Dr. <laughs> Joseph Farrell exploring many unusual mysteries and conspiracies, answering your questions, listeners. A lot more to go with Gene and Chris in The Paracast. largest independently owned and operated talk radio network the genesis communications network g c n graphic converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us it does not use any database you get full control of all your files want to view the images of a folder drag it into graphic converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files you could use it for slideshows you could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners need to do some image editing you can do that too in graphic converter also print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Uh, We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets. But fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. 
Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The patriots at utopiasilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338. And talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins, and herbs. Utopiasilver.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Dr. Joseph Farrell joining us on the Paracast this week with Gene and Chris. And we're coming off the Shop Talk episode last week, which was so much fun. We're now back in the swing of things. Okay, Joseph, any mm-hmm. more comments about the NICAP, anti-gravity, T-Townsend-bound connection before we go on? Well, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention was that, in my opinion, and, and there would be those who would disagree with me, and, and I can understand the reasons for their disagreements, but in my opinion, I think part of the post-war ufology effort, at least on the part of the national security apparatus, was to deflect attention away from the covert development of technologies to a an extraterrestrial explanation. We you know, the familiar story of the U two often being cited by people thinking that it was some sort of UFO. And in fact the the CIA did kind of push that. I do think that that effort was retained for another reason, in that in my books I've taken great pains to to document that the Nazis during World War II and after were pursuing 
some of these prototypical technologies on their own. So I think that's the other part of the story they didn't want people looking too closely at because of the the heavy preponderance of, of German scientists in their own space program. So that's the other thing. Now, remember, starting with the book Flying Saucers from Outer Space, Major Kehoe pushed skyward. Right. They're out there. It's E.T. Right. So you're suggesting here that at least a portion of it was really Earth-based technology, test weapons, test aircraft, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, I've, I've always thought that. I've always thought that the, the Nazi angle of the development of some of this technology was being given rather short shrift in, in the ufology community, or that the ufology community was buying stories that were just on the face of it absurd. Um, you know, the stories of Nazis actually having developed workable flying saucer field propulsion saucers during the war and launched secret expeditions to the moon and Mars and on and on we could go. I've never bought into that either. I think the truth of the matter lies somewhere in between the extremes, that they were developing some prototypical technology, but it was nowhere near what they were seeing in terms of the performance capabilities of UFOs. So this other, doesn't deny the possibility of UFOs from somewhere, right. only that we have contributed collectively, the collective we, towards a lot of that mystery. Yeah. We're looking, in my opinion, Gene, at, at two things. Putting ourselves in the shoes of the national security apparatus after World War II. I think, first of all, it becomes immediately clear to them that they are looking at some sort of post-war independent German project or Nazi project, whatever you wish to call it, that's continuing to research some of this stuff. I, that's been the burden of a lot of, of my research on, on the Nazi books. But, as I pointed out in, in Covert Wars and Clash of Civilizations, you have a man in the American national intelligence apparatus by the name of Alfred Leiding. He's a German-American. He's in contact with these Nazis at Wright-Patterson Air Base, people like Walter Lippisch and so on and so forth. He is the one that most people think was the inspiration behind some of the very early post-Roswell U.S. Air Force intelligence collection memoranda, including the famous Shulgin document, all right? And in that document, in its authentic version, it is very clearly pointing the finger of suspicion at Nazi developments during World War II, and it's very clear, if you read the memorandum carefully, as, as I try and do in, in, in my book, Roswell and the Reich, if you read the memorandum, it's also very clear that the U.S. Air Force suspects that there's some independent post-war Nazi project going on that they don't know about. But Lading is also the one who, on the basis of the sheer numbers of UFO reports, comes to the conclusion that this is beyond the production capacity of any post-war independent Nazi project or anyone else's, for that matter. And therefore, there has to be, in addition to that secret terrestrial origin for UFOs, there has to be some other source. So, in other words, the national security apparatus is maintaining both sources as a possibility for UFOs. And that's where things get interesting, because in his suggestions to the national security apparatus, he's not only telling them, look for this and that German scientist, 
because we don't know where they are and we don't know what they're doing. But he's also suggesting we need intelligence collection on the other possible origin, namely a non-terrestrial origin, for some of these phenomena. So the national security establishment, again, is put in the position they're having to deal with the communist threat, they're having to deal with some sort of post-war Nazi thing, God knows where it is and what it's doing, and it has to deal with the possibility that we're being visited by someone else that's not from here. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to put into place a secret program of, of crash development, and by the nature of the case, that's going to require a lot of money. So, again, all of this is interconnected. Yeah. And you would think after 60-plus uh, years that they would have made some progress. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I've got some really good questions here, and sure. I want to get to some of them. Uh, this one comes from Nameless, uh, who hit our question bank at forum.theparacast.com, where you can ask questions of our guests that we ask on the air. And he's wondering uh, if you've been making any new FOIA requests. And, and then he goes on and asks if there's any more new information about uh, those crazy Nazis and their secret technologies, <laughs> and in particular, wants to know if there's any truth to a Russian scientific team allegedly finding a giant gold swastika. I think it's under Lake Vladivostok, uh, the oh, ice lake. lake. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard anything about that? That's news to me. I had not heard it's, that. It's news to me, too. I, I haven't heard that. I, a I, giant gold swastika under the yeah. ice there. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. If the Russians had found anything like that, they certainly wouldn't reveal it. But I, I, I tend to think, no, probably not. Yeah, um, that sounds a little bit far-fetched. But I have three people that have all asked uh, the same question about that weird object that was found, what, three years ago, I think, under the Baltic that kind of looked like a UFO. But I think uh, it may have been some sort of Nazi anti-submarine emplacement. Nameless also wants to know what you know about that particular um story and if this technology if it wasn't anti-submarine emplacement uh, would it have had the ability to cut off electricity and could it still be affecting underwater uh you know like this team's uh equipment they were experiencing these kind of weird anomalies uh in electrical equipment when they approached it have you heard anything more about that particular story no i haven't heard anything about it my suspicion to be honest again chris is that what you're dealing with there in the baltic probably is not Nazi. From what I've understood of that object, whatever it is, it's it's a big concrete thing. What the Nazis would have been doing in the Baltic, there really were no significant naval operations that, that they conducted in the Baltic until the very beginning of Operation Barbarossa in 1941. And then toward the very end of the war, in, in February of 1945, the German Navy evacuated uh, thousands of troops that had been encircled in Courland. Um, but other than that, I'm not aware of any real significant German naval operations in the Baltic, covert yeah. or otherwise. Or, now, or, the, or the need to have something like that or the there, need to actually. have something like that there. There, yeah. there wasn't any threat from the, from the Russian Baltic fleet. Uh, the only other naval power in that region would have been Sweden. And, of course, Germany wasn't at war with Sweden. Right. Yeah, they were neutral. Uh, well, here's, here's, here's another question that, that goes into, again, the this end of the war period, which is, is really, I think you do a great job in your books, actually, uh, kind of following the tendrils of, of different interesting characters. And Boomerang wants to know if you have any information on the mysterious disappearance after World War II of 
uh, Hans Kammler, who was an SS <laughs> officer, who was also in charge of exotic technology for the oh, yeah. SS. <laughs> We're going to have uh, the answer to that question and more questions from our listeners with Dr. Joseph Farrell and Gene and Chris in the Paracast. <laughs> We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. 
I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Dr. Joseph Farrell is answering your questions from the question bank at forum.theparacast.com with Gene and Chris. Chris, before we get Joseph's response, is there another part to that question? Well, it, he just ties in uh, the possibility that uh, Nick Cook may have been onto something in his book, Hunt for uh, Zero Point. Uh, because Calmer was very involved in some of these exotic technologies, and then he just disappears. And, and yes. Do we know what happened to him? Well, Nick Cook and Igor Vitkovsky, the, the two uh, researchers that, that broke the story of the bell, Igor, of course, broke it in, in Polish, and then Nick Cook was made aware of his research and broke the story in, in Hunt for Zero Point for the first time in, in the English language. And then I picked up on the story from largely from Nick Cook and went back and, and read Igor's uh, research. And, and right, and then you had the Bro- Reich of the Black Sun and Brotherhood of the Bell, two excellent right. books that I recommend highly. I got in touch with Igor and began to connect the dots between the Bell and the so-called fusion project that was being run by a Nazi scientist in Argentina by the name of Dr. Ronald Richter for Juan Perón, all right? And to my mind, the dots connect to Argentina rather than, as Nick Cook and Igor maintained, to this country. Now, I have people in Argentina that have told me, and I, I wish I could, you know, I am I, one of those people that dislikes profoundly having to rely or say things based on anonymous resources. So read my books, folks, because what I do there is I, I connect other dots between the Bell Project and Argentina, other than relying upon anonymous sources. So I can't say who these people are. No. But Why don't you give our, our first-time listeners uh, who perhaps missed your previous appearance just a thumbnail sketch on the Nazi Bell Project? Well, let me get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, I want to make sure I answer the Kamler question because I've had people in Argentina tell me that Kamler did go to Argentina, that he, he disappeared with the last Junkers 390, which is a huge six-engine aircraft that was capable of, of flying nonstop from, from Germany down to South America. In fact, it was one of the first planes equipped for mid-air refueling. So, you know, <laughs> leave it to the Germans to come up with something like this. But, but I um, know that. Yeah, yeah. The Junkers 290 and 390 were both capable of, of being refueled mid-air. But Kammler according to these people in Argentina, flew that last Junkers 390 to Argentina. And once he got there, the the Junkers 390 itself was dismantled, which is why you've never seen this huge mother of a plane again. You know, there's only pictures of the thing. Now, the Bell Project, what briefly it is, is I've always maintained that the Nazis, when they set up their secret research projects prior to the outbreak of World War II, 
they set up, in effect, what amounts to an early version of, of the American DARPA. In fact, I think DARPA is modeled on, on the Kamler stop, on, on Kamler's group. Um, when they set up these projects before the war, they set up another branch of the SS called Forschung, Entwicklung und Patentive, Research, Development, and Patents. This was under an SS four-star general by the name of Emil Matsuf, about whom you can find literally nothing. Uh, and his FOIA file is still classified. <laughs> I mean, you can literally find nothing about this man. Why would you keep a file classified This had no significance? Exactly. Matsuf was responsible for vetting all patent applications in the Third Reich and then later, of course, occupied Europe and pulling any patent that had national security applications and implications and turning them over to the SS for further research and development, which, of course, meant basically turning it over to Kamler. All right, now. When this group was established under Matsuf, another group was established called Entwicklungsstelle 4, Development Area 4, S4, interestingly enough. And what this group was supposed to do was make Germany energy independent, all right? Now, what this meant was they viewed any form of atomic energy as being the key to their energy independence. So the Nazis, in my opinion, were after three things with their exotic physics. They were, first of all, after so-called free energy or zero-point energy. Tuck that in the back of your mind because that's part of the story. It's a detail I want to I get back to. The second thing they were after was any time, and they were dealing with engineering the fabric of space-time on the laboratory bench, all right? That's the other thing I want to make very clear that, that my research has indicated. Now, anytime you say that, anytime you say that you are able to engineer the fabric of space-time on the laboratory bench, what you're saying is, first of all, you have the ability to create free energy, your so-called zero-point energy, and two, you have a prototypical field propulsion capability. So that's the other thing they're after. And then thirdly, if you can engineer the fabric of space-time on the laboratory bench and weaponize it, then you've got a weapon that potentially would make a hydrogen bomb look like a firecracker, all right? And Nazis being Nazis, you know, they're going to be after a weapon. The Bell Project comes out of the second of these things. It is a project from all accounts that appears to have been conceived by the Nazis to investigate all three of these areas, but particularly the second one. And they apparently did, if eyewitness reports are to be credited, and again, that's part of the story, if they're to be credited, they apparently did achieve some sort of basic field propulsion capability because the device apparently levitated, all right? And it, that's all it did, okay? In other words, it didn't zip around like a UFO. It levitated, and that was it. But that was significant enough. Now, why did I mention zero-point energy? Because when you look at this fusion project of, of this Nazi working ostensibly for Juan Perón in the early 1950s, Dr. Richter, when he was later queried by the U.S. Air Force on exactly what he was doing, because he had been denounced publicly in the world press as a charlatan and a fraud, but apparently this charlatan and a fraud was interesting enough to the U.S. Air Force that they interviewed him secretly, okay? 
And one atomic energy expert actually said in his report to the Air Force that this guy is some sort of mad genius working in the 1970s, okay? <laughs> in other words, he's a couple decades ahead of the rest of us, folks. But, but anyway, Richter, when he was interviewed, said to the Air Force, and I, I put this quotation in my book, The Nazi International, Richter said that he was experimenting with plasmas in a state of rotation. Now, stop and think right there how clever that is, because a hydrogen bomb, as we've been told, is nothing but a huge miniature sun, all right? It works on the same principles. But the sun is a chained-up hydrogen bomb in the standard model, and it's in rotation and under electromagnetic stress, all right? And that's exactly what the Bell Project did. It rotated plasmas and subjected them to electrical stress. So in other words, they were, they were trying to conduct or construct an analog of the sun, all right? And therefore, that means that they're manipulating fusion and they're manipulating gravity all at the same time. So Richter's down there in Argentina rotating his plasmas and subjecting them to electrical stress, being denounced as a fraud and a charlatan by the world press and, and Argentinian nuclear scientists. And when he's interviewed by the Air Force, he says, oh, and by the way, I discovered all of this in 1936 in my experiments. Stop and consider that date, folks. <laughs> On top of that, he tells the Air Force, and I discovered that plasmas in this condition can function as a transducer of the cellular structure of space and access, and this is one of the first times that you will hear this next phrase in any literature, and access the zero-point energy. So, in other words, yeah, it's not only interesting, it's kind of... Well, just think about that. We're talking almost 70 years of of a development curve. Exactly. I mean, obviously, your skeptics, the first thing they're going to say is, well, wait a minute, Joseph, how come none of this technology has come out? Why are we still, you know, operating fossil fuel? I'll I'll tell you why. First of all, if if you're the power elite, you're dealing with a technology which, if it gets out, creates a proliferation nightmare, all right? Nuclear energy can be traced primarily because the standard model, the standard theory of making a thermonuclear weapon, a hydrogen bomb, is you have to have an atom bomb to set the dang thing off to create the heat and pressure gradients necessary to achieve fusion. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be set off if we don't do this break. That's a bad one, I'll tell you. Joseph Farrell joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Does advertising on the Genesis Communications radio network actually bring positive results? Let's ask Thomas Baldrick from Freeze Dry Guy. Thomas, talk about customer service at GCN. GCN is extraordinary in how they take care of their customers. The bottom line, Freeze Dry Guy keeps advertising on GCN because it works. If you'd like to experience unbelievable customer service, call Lee Wickenhauser at 877-996-4327, extension 107. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Oh, well, we're into nuclear weaponry here, folks, with Dr. Joseph Farrell and Gene yeah, and Chris. Get nuclear here. This thing's going off the scale. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, let me get back to the hydrogen bomb here to, for just a minute. What Richter was telling you was that you can achieve all of this without the standard high temperature and pressure gradients that standard physical theory dictated was necessary. So in other words, he was telling you, you, control, you can control fusion at much less high temperatures and under very different conditions than the way it has been pursued thus far. And that also means, like it or not, that he's suggesting that you can create, quote-unquote, a clean hydrogen bomb. In other words, you can get a really big bang without having an atomic bomb as the fuse with all of the nasty radiation and fallout after effects. So that's the other thing he's telling you. So yeah, you're going to suppress this technology for that reason alone. But there's another reason, and he also alluded to it, and we go back now to UFOs and the early atomic and, and more importantly, thermonuclear hydrogen bomb tests. Because as I point out in my books, when the earliest hydrogen bombs were let off, when we let Mike off in 1952, the calculated pre-test yield of the device was between five, I believe, five and eight megatons, something like that. It, it actually achieved a yield of about 10 megatons. So we have a little bit of an oops there, okay? Yeah. The, the other big oops was, was the now infamous Castle Bravo test, which, again, the pre-calculated yield of, of the bomb prior to the test was between five and eight megatons. When they lit the thing off, it ran away to a yield of about 15 megatons. And the official story, and this, again, will connect back to Richter, 
The official story was that we had a lot of lithium-7 in, in the lithium-deuteride mix, which was reliant in, in the official story on calculations of the yield of lithium-deuteride reliant on lithium-6 rather than lithium-7. All right. So in other words, what they're telling you folks is our scientists didn't know enough thermonuclear chemistry to figure out that lithium-7 would feed the reaction. And to that, I say bull roar, <laughs> because they're just not that clumsy. They're just not that stupid. And besides that, when the U.S. Air Force interviewed Richter in 1954, he told them that, yeah, I'm using lithium-7, okay? <laughs> so, so, in other words, it's part of standard thermonuclear chemistry. That's my point. So, in other words, there's another mechanism that led to the runaway yield that they don't want anybody to pay attention to. And I strongly suspect that it goes back to Richter's idea that a, a plasma under that condition of stress is also a transducer reacting to the harmonics of the structure of local celestial space-time. In other words, the position of the planets, where you set the bomb off on planet Earth, phase of the moon, you know, sunspot activity, all of this feeds into the reaction mechanism. It's like opening a sluice gate on a dam. All that energy comes cascading into the reaction. And I think this is the hidden reason why all of that nuclear testing went on inside the United States and the Soviet Union, and more recently with France and some of the other additions to the thermonuclear club. Because they're trying to learn the harmonic laws by rote experimentation of how that mechanism works. Now, that said, I want to go back to our good friend Nikolai Kozarev in the Soviet Union. Because what's Nikolai Kozarev's specialty? Well, his specialty is, guess what? Thermonuclear reactions in stars. Okay. And Kozarev was saying effectively the same thing in the Soviet Union. He was saying that the sun's putting out more energy than the standard model of a chained-up hydrogen bomb would admit. So where's this energy coming from? And the moment he says this, that's when Pravda denounces him as a screwball and a fraud and shuffles him off into Soviet dark projects and black projects to research just what the heck is going on here. And I suspect that this is the real reason that Nikita Khrushchev in 1961 fired off that gymungous hydrogen bomb called the Tsar Bomba that reached a, a yield of about 57 megatons over uh, Novaya Zemla up there near the Arctic Circle. I, I suspect strongly that what the Soviets were really doing was trying to figure out just what the heck was going on with these nuclear bombs. Well, Richter told them. Richter told the United States Air Force that these things are transducers of the zero-point energy, and he told them that in 1954, and he told them that it was based on observations he'd made during experiments that he was making inside of Nazi Germany in 1936. So, yeah, I'm in full agreement, Chris. God knows what they've got up their sleeve yeah. after seven decades of experimentation. Well, that leads me to another question. Now, we're talking about, uh, you know, obviously uh, being able to tap you know the energy of of actual space time is right. is like the ultimate gas station uh if you will our one of our administrators here at forum.theparacast.com uh Gogs Mackay is wondering about 
is there any reason to believe conspiracy theories that argue that people may, who may have invented free or near free energy devices are being bumped off, possibly at the behest of large energy corporations with a question mark? Do you ha have any evidence or any reason to believe that the, this type of, of technology has been developed, let's say, privately, you know, out of out of the hands of the breakaway civilization, but maybe alongside that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, his name is Dr. Andrea Rossi. Uh, the phenomenon is, call is called low-energy lattice-assisted nuclear reaction, in other words, cold fusion. Because, again, let's go back to what Richter said. Richter was maintaining that he was achieving fusion results at temperatures far below what standard thermonuclear physics, quantum mechanics, said was possible. And he told them that at the time. That was why he was roundly denounced. And then he told the Air Force the mechanism by which he was achieving this, and he explained it in terms of a transduction between the plasma and the cellular structure, in other words, substitute for cellular there, lattice structure of local space-time. And once you've said that, you, you see that he was thinking in terms not only two decades ahead, he was thinking in terms of a, a scientific model that has only recently been accepted as an explanation for why cold fusion works. It is a lattice-assisted nuclear reaction. That's exactly what he was saying. So, in other words, cold fusion itself got out of the bottle, all right? So, it's out there. And again, the reason it would be suppressed is once you let the technology out, this technology can be weaponized. So it's a proliferation nightmare for the power elite. They're going to keep it suppressed until they can figure out a way to create a mechanism, a regulatory structure, an international structure, what have you, to prevent that technology from falling into the wrong hands. That's been precisely the game since Nikola Tesla came on the scene. That's what they're really about. And again, I'm not trying to justify their reactions, but I am attempting to show that their concerns were at least justified in that respect. Yeah, they, they would have to suppress it. Now, as for people being bumped off, Chris, I think if you go to the, to the degree of bucking the system. Yeah, they do that. In fact, Tom Bearden wrote, you, you referenced him earlier, he wrote a book, uh, a kind of a physics textbook, if you will, called Free Energy. It's a big, thick tome. And he spends an entire chapter, unusually, in, in a book for physics, talking about how power elites will deal with people experimenting with this stuff on their own. And they will game you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't doubt that it happens. The fate of the lone wolf investigator. Yep. And the lone wolf scientists. I guess you can't have any of those anymore. Not like you have in the science fiction world. In any case, we've got Dr. Joseph Farrell joining us this week in the show. As you can see, just what we talked about in announcing the show barely cuts the surface. A lot more to go. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, 
head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. 
On the Powercast with Gene and Chris, the final three segments, lots of questions from our listeners. We'll try to follow up where we can, Chris. Well, we've been talking a lot here about the tie-in of atomic energy and, uh, and how this might be playing a part in some of these exotic technologies. And here's a question from Sian Flosser. Uh, who's a recent signee. He's been around for about a year at forum.theparacast.com. And uh, he says, there seems to have been an ongoing connection between UFOs, UFO secrecy, and atomic energy. Many UFO cases indicate the release of radioactive contamination into our environment. And he gives the example that John Keel, for instance, believed the true Maury Island incident represented the dumping of radioactive waste from the Hanford plant into Puget Sound. That's a scary thought. We even find this atomic connection, obviously, uh, in the Nazi Bell, Roswell, uh, right. Malmstrom, the Cash Landrum case, oh, yes. and, and the, the, the before-mentioned Malmstrom missile shutdowns. Uh, the list goes on and on. Can you discuss the possible involvement of the AEC, the nuclear power industries, in the suppression of UFO information since '47? And the oh. cover-up of illegal toxic waste disposal. Well, I don't know anything about illegal toxic waste uh, disposal. That's, that's not been really on my radar screen for research. But with respect to UFOs and atomic energy and things like this, you mentioned Richard Hastings earlier, and I reviewed some of his research in, in a couple of my books. You mean Robert Hastings, right? Or, pardon me, yeah, Robert Hastings. Okay. My, my apologies. One of the things he points out, and that I point out in a book of mine, called Covert Wars and and Clash of Civilizations, is that UFOs were at the Mike and Castle Bravo tests, and they were also present at another hydrogen bomb test called Castle Coon, where the yield was significantly less than had been calculated. Uh, In fact, it was kind of a nuclear fizzle, if you can imagine such a thing. And interestingly enough, Castle Coon was a bomb that had been designed by Edward Teller and his crew at Lawrence Livermore, and the bomb fizzled. Again, the, the official explanation is that the design was just flawed. Well, I'm sorry, but I have a great deal of difficulty believing that because Edward Teller, of course, had had been part of the design team for the Mike test and then later the Castle Bravo test. All right. So it's not as if these people don't know how to make a hydrogen bomb. But when you factor in that UFOs were present, let's look at something. If you've got a field propulsion technology that is viable, that works, that you're manipulating the fabric of space time then the mere presence of something producing that kind of, to use the expression, space warp or or time bubble at these tests will contribute a factor to the yield, all right? So again, we're back with with Richter's idea. These things, these bombs are, are transducers of another energy that is feeding into the reaction. And you can either damp that energy or you can resonate with that energy. In other words, you can either decrease or significantly increase the yield of these devices depending on local circumstances. So again, we're, we're dealing with the phenomenon, I think, Chris, in answer to your listener's question, that has been a highly classified matter. It's probably one of the most closely held secrets of, of the thermonuclear powers. And uh, I, I find it very interesting that... Uh we should have such a re, just a flowering of reports and a, and a huge wave of sightings as soon as uh, we entered the atomic age. And I, yes. I've always felt that 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 was a very important clue. And also, uh, in 
one sense of the word could actually be a clue that whomever is flying these craft or whatever intelligence is, is behind them has some sort of stake in, in our environment. And that kind of freaked them out because I let me interrupt there because I think you're, I think you're spot on. And the reason I want to interrupt here, Chris, and, and jump in is because if you put yourself in the shoes of the national security establishment, dealing with all of these UFO nuclear related sightings, beginning with the thermonuclear tests and on into the 1960s when they're turning on and turning off missiles and reprogramming and so on. I think the first thing that the national security establishment would inevitably ask is why all the interest in nuclear weapons? We have absolutely no capability to deliver these things to any target off-world. All right? So they begin to think then, why are they so concerned? They must be concerned because somehow nuclear energy may be a gateway technology to greater capabilities that we are unaware of. Enter Dr. Richter and why he's interviewed by the U.S. Air Force after the Castle Bravo and, and Mike tests. And he's telling them exactly confirmation of what they probably have already begun to suspect, that we're dealing with a gateway technology. It's not the nuclear energy that they're concerned about. It's the fact that we might discover what the gateway is and how to manipulate it and therefore get out there ourselves. <laughs> Okay, that's what I think they're going to start thinking. Well, I think you're spot on. Well, interesting. Uh, it brings up a, a number of questions about our space program. Yep. And um, here's one again from Cyan Flosser. And he's wondering about potential secret propulsion technology in Apollo, the Apollo program, and the possibility of secret astronauts in the Apollo program who remain unacknowledged to this day. Uh-huh. Um, do you have any any sort of insight on that? Particular? Oh yes, absolutely. In 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 the book, the SS Brotherhood of the Bell, I pointed out that I, I'm not an Apollo hoaxer. I definitely believe that we went to the moon. I definitely also believe that the people who have talked about Apollo being hoaxed are in part correct in that the the program was obfuscated. The moon landings were obfuscated. We were shown a bit of theater, all right? But part of the theater that I think people have missed is there's a famous clip of, I think it's Apollo 17, of the lunar excursion module taking off from the moon. And it just sort of pops up and flies away. And when I first saw that as a kid, I said, that's not a rocket. Now, if you're faking, if you're hoaxing that scene, you're going to show a rocket taking off like a rocket does. It, it, it accelerates geometrically. In other words, per unit of time, it travels a further distance per unit of time. It starts out slow, and then it gradually increases in speed. Yeah, that almost rock, looked like anti-grab technology. Yeah, bingo. That's precisely what I was getting at. What you're looking at is an alternative technology in play. And that alternative technology also gets you through the Van Allen radiation belts. Okay, when you put things in rotation, I think this is what the Nazis discovered with their bell device. When you put highly radioactive 
uh, isotopes in extreme rotation and subject them to electrical stress, you change the rates of decay. Again, you're playing with the phenomenon of engineering space-time on the laboratory bench. And we have to basically engineer this on this bench before we go on. Dr. Joseph Farrell joins Gene and Chris in the Paracast. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. It's time for a home security quiz. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $30? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. Fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. To get your fake TV for only $29.95 with free shipping, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <laughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. 
Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the winter specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. Herbalhealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. If you're playing around with space-time, Dr. Farrell, does that imply that maybe we could travel through time? Well, not in the way that people usually think. Um, you're not going to create you know, the grandfather paradox that, that has become so much a part of, of the public perception of, of time travel, or, or as I prefer to call it, time dilation. Um, Back to the future. Yeah, you're, you're dealing more with changing rates of, of the flow of time. And that's, in effect, what we see with some of this rotation or torsion-based technology, you're, you're seeing changes in rates of radioactive decay. And hence, when you put something in high rotation, it will significantly damp or, or increase radioactive effects, depending on how you construe it. So I think, yeah, that what we're looking at with Apollo isn't so much a thing that didn't happen. What we're looking at is a hidden technology that was in play. And it's significant to me. It's extremely significant to me. And I've pointed this out in my books over and over again, that the man who is the senior flight administrator at Cape Canaveral during Apollo is a Nazi scientist by the name of Dr. Kurt Davis, all right? You often see pictures of him with von Braun at NASA, all right? Davis is the guy in charge of the Apollo flights themselves, all right? So, Davis, if you dig and scratch and sniff enough, you'll discover that Davis was one of the major scientists working in association with the Nazi bell. And in fact, I point out in my research that it's very likely that he and Dr. Richter were both working for the same German company, working precisely in the area of plasmas and high voltage during World War II. Now, why is Davis significant? Because if he's working on that project, he knows something about the technology. And here's the clincher. Davis isn't a rocket scientist at all. His specialty was, get this, high voltage direct current energy and measurement and plasmas. So the fact that you have him in that position in the Apollo program has always suggested to me that at some point the NASA scientists realized that they were not going to be able to pull off this dream of, of President Kennedy of getting to the moon without some alternative technology. And at yeah. that point, 
the rabbit made, coming out yeah, of the hat. At the rabbit coming out of the hat. At that point, we made the deal with the Nazi devil. It's interesting and significant to me that when Apollo lands on the moon, July 20th, 1969, that is the 25th year anniversary to the day of the failed bomb plot against Adolf Hitler in 1944. So in other words, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Um, I, I, I think that we made the deal with the Nazi devil. And again, with the collateralization of space idea, I think that what the deal in part was, was that whatever we found out there had to be shared with them, be it technology, be it resources, whatever. So, yeah, Davis Davis is a huge, significant, uh, extremely important man because he also, as I documented in, in Covert Wars and Clash of Civilizations, the, the most recent book that just came out, he also was involved with heading up some sort of internal NASA UFO study, okay? And after he retired from NASA, even more interesting is he becomes a, a, a member of the board for a West German company called OTRAC, Orbital Raketen Transport Aktionsgesellschaft, which had kind of its own private Area 51 facility in the Congo, in Zaire, that was being run by the German government. So this guy, you know, he has his fingers in just about every classified pie you can think of. It's funny how how these names pop up in, in, in relation to particular subjects and how they all seem to be interconnected on some level. It's, oh, yeah. It's just, and reading your books, I must say that the, the way you track down some of these connections is, is really fascinating. And it's a, a, a real world-class uh, research. I mean, some of the stuff that you're finding, uh, it, some of which you've described today, there's many, many others are really first-time discoveries and putting together people, places, things, and events um, in a way that nobody's done before. But it's it's all due to your research. You're not making this stuff up. No. Even though some of your conclusions kind of go into the realm of speculation, you have enough ammunition to make these speculations in an, in an informed way, I must say. Well, yeah, that's that's something I, want, I, I, I thank you for mentioning. I, I do want to stress to people that may not be aware of my work, my, my books are very heavily footnoted. Uh, I, I'm a believer in referencing material, and, and when you are arguing a speculation, that you make it clear that, that you're speculating. But in the case of, of Davis, there's so many dots that connect to this man. And uh, I mean my word, after the Roswell event, the U.S. Army, for some reason, you know, and, and consider this, folks, the U.S. Army, for some reason, decided to reopen the security classification and vetting of these Nazi scientists that had brought to this country. And one of them, whom they were most concerned about, <laughs> was good old Dr. Davis. So take that for whatever it is. But the fact of the matter is it's there. Well, and, and people who wonder, you know, what influence uh you know, the higher ups in the Nazi uh, apparatus had on, you know, U.S. Uh, policy and, and U.S. Uh, covert operations. I mean, we basically took the Eastern European spy network that the Nazis had and just put a new name on it uh, and called it our own, basically, uh, with the with the <laughs> who was it uh, that that scary looking guy galen i think was the oh, head of, reinhardt galen <laughs> reinhardt galen oh man what a spooky looking dude and basically all his guys <laughs> became our guys 
Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. And and they really didn't become our guys because he was left in control of them. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, serving uh, different masters uh, on paper. <laughs> well, like like Carl Oglesby, uh, American historian, wrote uh, when he was made aware of the extent of of the post war American Nazi collaboration. He he commented on Galen in particular, and pointed out that basically when, when the CIA was created, because of the deals that we had made with Galen after the war, Galen's entire military intelligence network was left intact, you know. <laughs> so, so basically you had the human on-the-ground intelligence network that was gathering and reporting on, on Soviet intentions and activities. Well, that was all Galen's network. And it was so bad, Chris, as I pointed out in, in Covert Wars and, and Clash of Civilizations, that his intelligence estimates in the 1940s were often simply retyped without any additional commentary or editing, and passed on directly to President Truman. So, so we, have a, we have a Nazi general essentially <laughs> affecting policy formation in this country at the highest level. Yeah. And these were the worst enemies. Me. Yeah, and these were the worst enemies. I mean, my word. You know, <laughs> could you possibly pick a worse crew to do business with? You know, I, I, and I mentioned the Bilderberg meetings earlier in this uh, program, you know, that I think they were, were created to coordinate the the Nazi side and the American financial side of all of this Nazi loot. Well, look who you have on the European side. You have Prince Bernard organizing these things. Who's Prince Bernard? Well, he was an SS major, and he was management in IG Farben, and one of the very first and most frequent guests at the Bilderberg meetings was Dr. Hermann Josef Ops, who was president and CEO of Deutsche Bank. And during the war, Dr. Ops was the president of a handling bank in Berlin that handled all of the Reich government accounts. In other words, this is the guy signing the check, paying Adolf Hitler his salary as chancellor of, of the Third Reich. So, yeah, I think it's fairly obvious what's going on. And by the way, this combination is worse than Microsoft and Apple doing business together as they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joseph Farrell joins Gene and Chris here in The Paracast. <laughs> Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. It's time to get your green on with the great green sale from Freeze-Dry Guy. Now through St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, cases of delicious freeze-dried vegetables, green beans, and green peas are now on sale at veteran-owned freezedryguy.com. You don't need to be Irish to feel like you have pots of gold with a healthy supply of these delicious, nutritious green vegetables. They're perfect for your emergency preparedness needs or outdoor activities from camping to RV travel. Green beans and green peas. Easy to prepare, easy to enjoy, and now easier than ever to buy. How about some green backs in your wallet or purse just for ordering? Act now and Freeze Dry Guy will give you $25 in survival bucks for every case you purchase by St. Patty's Day. So get your green on now, veggie lovers. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on to freezedryguy.com freezedryguy.com Hi everyone, I'm Pharmacist Ben, nutritional pharmacist and host of The Bright Side. The good news about nutrition and health. The good news that if you or someone you care about is on a prescription drug or has some kind of health challenge, there's a gentle, natural, healthy way to address most health issues without drugs and without doctors. And it's as simple as understanding how the parts of the body work and how they interact with the foods we eat and the nutrients we take in. If you've heard me on the bright side or at one of my presentations, you know I'm a man on a mission. A mission to help you understand health and wellness and the remarkable healing powers of the biological system called the human body. And if you like the bright side, you're going to love my new website, brightsideben.com. You'll find articles and links. You'll be able to access archives and we'll even have exclusive information that you won't hear on the radio show. And of course, you can purchase the Longevity Nutritional Supplements and even sign up to join my Longevity team and make an impact, make a difference, and maybe make some money too. Check out brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com or call 866-735-2470 for more Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We are not starting a conspiracy here involving Apple, <laughs> Samsung, Google, Microsoft. No way. Although I'll ask you, because we haven't got much time left here. There's a lot of ground to cover. Joseph Farah, are there any conspiracies involving these tech giants? Oh, I I definitely think so. Um, I I definitely think so. I mean, just look at Google's moves on the internet recently with search engines and, and the other things that they're up to. I suspect 
that again, this is all part of extending that electronic surveillance network uh, globally. And part of that effort, ultimately, that, that we've been discussing to, to weaponize space, because it's really now, international clearing now is really about the flow of information. And to do that effectively, you, you have to be able to control and, and maintain your space assets. So absolutely, I do. A meta question here. We're weaponizing space mm-hmm. to protect against whom? One another <laughs> or them? Well, I take the view in, in my books, Gene, that for whatever reason, whether they're right or they're wrong, they took the national security establishment, took the view that the UFO phenomena had to be treated as a potential threat. And given the activity around nuclear weapons and weapons facilities, um, this, this would have been the only rational alternative for them to take. So I think they are, I don't conclude that they, they necessarily think it's an imminent threat. But I do think they are concerned with preserving human independence of action. In, in my last book, I talk about the Tower of Babel moment of history. Um, and the reason I do that is, again, I think the, the national security apparatus would have gone back and examined ancient legends and, and texts and lore and so on to arrive at the conclusion of a historical perspective on these things. And they would have immediately come across the fact that if you read the Tower of Babel story in the book of Genesis in in chapter 11 very carefully, you find an interesting lack of mention. The story says, and I'm paraphrasing, that if the humans complete this task, they will be able to do whatsoever they imagine to do. And I, I just cited the actual verse. So in other words, God or the gods come down here and scramble humanity to prevent the project from being completed. There is a direct intervention, and it was an intervention because of a perceived threat. If you look at the Mayan version of the story, it's very similar. If you look at Plato's version of the story, it's similar. In almost all cases, it's because there's a perceived threat from human technological capability. So the national security establishment after World War II, I think, is also going to conclude that we, for whatever reason, and it has to do with nuclear weapons and and gateway technologies, as we've been discussing, that we are in a period of threat where our independence of action could be subject to, if the ancient records are any indicator, potential intervention. And therefore, we have to play our cards extremely carefully. We've got to create the technologies to emulate their performance and achieve some sort of parity, number one. Number two, in the meantime, until we do, we have to play a very delicate game of psychological operations against whoever these people are, if they are people. And we have to creatively use our own hostile responses to indicate that we are not to be trifled with. Now, in that respect, I want to point out something that many people have laughed at, um, and that's Colonel Corso's statement in The Day After Roswell, that the real reason for the arms buildup between the United States and the Soviet Union, which at the time, you'll recall, had both had the capability of destroying the planet several times over, 
And they um, still do. And they still do, but not quite as bad as it was back in the bad old days of the Cold War. But the real reason was to send the signal that attempting to occupy this planet would be an impossibility simply because of the sheer quantity of, of nuclear and thermonuclear That's weapons. That's an interesting right? observation. I've yeah, never it was thought his, of that, but yeah, it makes it was, sense. It was his <laughs> observation. Now, the implication of his observation is once we achieve other technologies, then the nuclear weapon won't be so necessary. Well, look what we have now. We have weather modification. In other words, we have the capability of manipulating systems on a planetary scale. And if you look at things like HARP, here's the bad news. These, these ionospheric heaters, I strongly suspect, and again, this is speculation on my part, but I strongly suspect that these things also have the capability of inducing resonance effects in the sun, all right, and manipulating things on a stellar scale. Now, that's very important. Because if you're playing a game of brinksmanship or gunboat diplomacy or whatever you wish to call it with whoever it is that's flying these things out there, um, the, the demonstration of capabilities like that are very, very important. And they will also mean, if you've got those kind of capabilities, that you're going to put less stress on the development of your thermonuclear strategic strike capability, which is exactly what we've seen happen. Um, I think that when the United States and the Soviet Union began the process of reducing their thermonuclear arsenals, as they did and as they've done, I think it's because they have something better in the wings that they're not talking about. Uh, in fact, I, I just blogged about uh, this subject a few weeks ago on my website. Uh, the Russians have announced that they have some sort of microwave weapon. Uh, that they've been developing for product for for propulsion capability, but th this thing also has the capability of basically disintegrating things at a few kilometers distance. Well, stop and think about that, because what that is—that's the old microwave soliton effect that was being investigated as a propulsion system by the United States and the Soviet Union, incidentally, back in the 1950s. And it's also interesting that it is a weaponizable capability. So again, we're, we're back to square one. They've had this stuff, they've had the basic physics principles since the 1950s, and they've been investigating them. And the Russians just recently came out and said, oh yeah, hey, by the way, we've got this stuff too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, just in case you're interested. Uh, yeah, just in case you're interested. And you that. know the Chinese are, are, are fairly close behind, if well, not the right Chinese, up there with you know, everybody. The Chinese, the Chinese, the Germans, the Brazilians, the Japanese, you know, basically the old great power game, you know, they're right. all going to be doing. Wow, this has been fascinating. And again, I do recommend uh, your books. I've, I've devoured each one that I've, I've gotten. Uh, just love them to pieces. Uh, it's just incredible reference material. And um, it's really refreshing, uh, again, to be able to do your own research based on how carefully you source your material. And I, I kind of use that... Uh, that myself in my new book, Stalking the Herd, which is uh, tons of, of references, uh, sources, um, and, and I really lay out where people can go to find out more about a particular subject that you just can't fully cover because you, you do cover such an amazing amount of ground in your books. Uh, 
you can't digress sometimes. So it's a great opportunity for you folks out there in the listening audience to get yourselves up to speed and do some real good research on the shoulders of of a real giant here. Uh, and I do mean that, Joseph. Your, your oh, thank you. research is just is just top notch. I and uh, I do recommend uh, all your all your books on various subjects because it's all tied in. It's interesting. Your books are so varied, but they're all they all tie back in to what we've been talking about today. Even your book, The Cosmic War, which is one of my favorite books looking at antiquity. Joseph Farrell, tell our listeners where we can find more of what you do. Uh, you can go on my website, www.gizadestar.com. Um, I do have a web store there. You can get all my books there. They, they do come directly from Amazon, but I do get a little extra if you order off my website. And, and that's also the same address for my blogs. You can find us at thepowercast.com on Twitter. We're, uh, we're the Paracast. We are the Paracast on Twitter. There's also a Paracast fan club on Facebook. Chris O'Brien's site is ourstrangeplanet.com. The book Stalking the Herd is now available for shipment. So order your copy as soon as you can. Dr. Joseph Farrell, thank you for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thanks for having me back, Gene. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.